0: Welcome back to the Badass Literature Society, where badasses come together to rate and review novels recommended by you. Hi, I'm Michael.
1: This is Barbara. And I'm Lauren.
0: We have hit one year. Guys, this is our one-year anniversary for this little podcast. And to celebrate, we want to do something special. We're going to do a drawing on our socials. The prize will be to win a copy of a book from one of our upcoming episodes or a new recommendation from you. And if you'd like, you can be a guest host on that episode. Uh, The rules will be specific and more on our post, so don't forget to check out our Facebook and our Instagram and enter. Yeah, it's exciting.
2: Okay, so this month we we read We Were the Lucky Ones by Georgia Hunter. Um, It was recommended to us by a listener, and you can follow at Scram13, so thank you for the recommendation.
0: Like normal, we'll split the podcast into two sections. The first part will be a spoiler-free discussion and our overall group score, and then the second part will be a more in-depth discussion of the plot and the ending, which is obviously going to be spoiler-heavy, as well as our individual scores for the book. But first, let's talk about the author. Um, so the author of this book was Georgia Hunter, uh, and the bio that I was able to find for this is, uh, is written in first person from her perspective, so I'm going to be using I, but I'm speaking as Georgia Hunter. <laughs> um, For as long as I can remember, I've loved to write. I penned my first novel, in quotes, when I was four years old, entitled it Charlie Walks the Beast. After my father's recently published sci-fi novel, Softly Walks the Beast. When I was 11, I pitched an article, an opinion piece, on how I'd spent my last day, how I would spend my last day, excuse me, if the world were about to come to an end to the local newspaper. Since that debut in the Attleboro Sun Chronicle, my personal essays and photos have been featured in places like the New York Times, Why We Travel, in Travel Girl Magazine, and on Equitrekking.com. I've also taken on the role of freelance copywriter in the world of adventure travel, crafting marketing materials for outfitters such as Austin Adventures as well as the Explorer's Passage. In 2000, a family reunion opened my eyes to the astounding war stories of my grandfather and his family. Eight years later, armed with a digital voice recorder and a moleskin notebook, I set off to unearth and record my family story. I spent nearly a decade traversing the globe, interviewing family, and digging up records from every possible source I could think of, eventually piecing together the bones of what would become my novel. We were the lucky ones. I kept a blog as my research unfolded, which you are welcome to peruse, and I've also created a list of Ancestry search tips should you consider embarking on a journey to uncover your own roots. I hope you enjoy... The book, And I'd love to hear from you if you have any questions or stories of your own to share. So that is uh, a little bit about her. Uh, she, this is her first novel she's ever written. You can tell her background was in journalism uh, and copywriting before this. So uh, she has always been a writer, but this is her first time doing a book after she discovered this story inside her own family. And now over to Barbara to talk about some of the accolades and awards.
2: Okay, so this was originally published in, on February 14th of 2017, The genre is considered historical fiction, biographical fiction, and Jewish fiction. It is 418 pages, and it has a 4.4 out of 5 rating on Goodreads, or a 4.7 out of 5 on Amazon. And it was nominated for the Goodreads Choice Award for this historical fiction in 2017, and she was nominated for Goodreads Choice Award nominee for a debut author in 2017 as well.
0: Over to Lauren to talk about the jacket cover slash back of the book.
1: All right. The back of the book says as follows. It is the spring of 1939 and three generations of the Kirk family are doing their best to live normal lives, even as the shadow of war grows closer. The talk around the family cedar table is of new babies and budding romance, not of the increasing hardships threatening Jews in their hometown of Radom, Poland. But soon, the horrors overtaking Europe will become inescapable, and the Kirks will be flung to the far corners of the world, each desperately trying to navigate his or her own path to safety. As one sibling is forced into exile, another attempts to flee the continent, while others struggle to escape certain death, either by working grueling hours on empty stomachs in the factories of the ghetto, or by hiding as Gentiles in plain sight. Driven by an unwavering will to survive, and by the fear that they may never see one another again, The Kirk's must rely on hope, ingenuity, and inner strength to persevere. An extraordinary propulsive novel, We Were the Lucky Ones, demonstrates how, in the face of the 20th century's darkest moment, the human spirit can endure and even thrive.
0: So, as we dive in here, what did you guys think of The Lucky Ones? And remember, this is the first part, so no spoilers. So I guess I'll go first. Um, (laughs) I I really liked the book. Um, You know, going into this when it was first recommended, I didn't know... Oh, I would like it um cuz the truth of course, of a title and then I did a little bit of research on what the book actually was and I got really excited cuz I love historical fiction and I love World War 2 history specifically. Um so I was really excited to read a true story about a family that uh that went through this part of history. Um so I, I really enjoyed it. I I thought it was a a very compelling story uh, that her family went through. I thought that um you know, it was it was the story itself was well-written. Um, the, the author's writing style, and I, and I'm not going to go into as a ton because I know Barbara's going to go into it, um, was a little bit off putting at times, um, just because of the, the way that she wrote it. Um, it's, it would be like if you were reading a, re- someone's like after action report about something that happened as opposed to actually experiencing it as that person in first person. Um, and so that was kind of frustrating, but when I was able to get over that, I I really I really enjoyed the story. I thought the characters were amazing and you know they're obviously real people, so that made it even even cooler. Um, but overall I really liked the book.
1: Like, so it might sound odd, but I've always loved consuming any kind of media about the Holocaust, like movies, books, TV shows. Um, it was always my favorite subject in history classes. And when I was studying abroad in England, I actually got the opportunity to go to Poland um, and see Auschwitz and Birkenau concentration camps in person, um, which was a crazy, indescribable and super chilling experience. Um, I just I find the subject to obviously be very dark, but also intriguing. And I think that it's really important to continue to teach about it so that history doesn't repeat itself. I feel like a lot of the kids um, when I was teaching before I got my master's didn't have any idea what it was, even fourth graders, um, which getting to that point, I mean, you you have to teach about World War II to an extent. But anyway, that being said, I enjoyed the book overall. Um, I think it was well-written. I think like Michael said that there were a little there's a little bit of point of view weirdness but um it wasn't so much that i was too distracted to enjoy the book um there were a lot of instances where i physically felt sick based off of like descriptions that the author was making about various happenings and i realize now that in my notes i elaborated on that but i shouldn't because that might be a spoiler so i'm just going to leave it at that, that that there were there were times where i physically felt um felt like my stomach turn, and so you know when a book affects you physically like that and pulls that kind of emotion that the author has some talent, especially this is a first book um all of that being said though the the moments of vivid description like that didn't happen quite often enough for me. um They were kind of few and far between, and then the writing style was sometimes confusing and difficult to follow just because there were so many characters um and I know that this was based on a family's experience. And so obviously like they probably, the author probably felt like they had to include all of the characters, Um, but it would have been nice to have more focused in depth experience with characters. Um, And then obviously I'm grateful that there were families that had the experience that they did with the happy ending, but for readers who pick up this book and don't have knowledge about the horrors of the Holocaust outside of just, you know, picking up a book about it, it might be dangerous or damaging to send this message that like all these happy endings were common. Um because the vast majority of endings were not not like that in in World War Two. So that was kind of my take.
2: So I was excited to read it because I really like historical fiction. Um it I mean, I like reading anything, but I really enjoy historical fiction because I feel like um it probes me to research stuff and get into that time period of what I'm I'm reading about. So I was really excited to read this book. Um, it was really difficult for me to get into it, this book at first though, because um, it's written in a third person, present tense point of view. Um, and I believe Hunter did this with the wish for an increased in tension, because that's normally what you get with that point of view. So the story is happening in real time as we, the readers, read it. Um, I just feel like it didn't work well for this book i don't think it fit well um but overall the story is amazing and really mind-blowing to think about um with what the family went through and it is obviously based on what actually happened to her family the author's family as one of the characters was her grandfather and that's not a spoiler you can literally google that Um, I love historical fiction, so I kept finding myself Googling things to know more about what was going on and more about what was happening. Um, And like Lauren mentioned, it can be hard to read uh, since this stuff really did happen in our history, and it's sad to think about all those people who experienced this or obviously much worse. Um, I just wish it was written a bit better because I felt like I was being told a story rather than experiencing it. And I feel like the author didn't really use any descriptive words, but rather just told us what the character felt instead of just making the reader experience it um, as well. But overall, I really enjoyed reading it.
0: Okay, so as you guys know, we don't go into our individual scores at this point in the podcast. Uh, I'll save that for later, but our group score for this one was a 7.9 out of 10. I'm just happy that it was just a single decimal point (laughs) instead of the the craziness that was last episode um so the next question is would you recommend this book and i'm gonna let barbara start on this one.
2: Oh yeah 100 um i do think these i do think there are better written stories about you know world war ii or the holocaust holocaust in general um but this family story is so interesting that i would definitely recommend this book to anyone who likes this genre it's just mind blowing to me what happened to this family, so and i I just really enjoyed reading about them and so I would one hundred percent recommend it if
1: you can get past the awkward point of view. Lauren, what about you? I would definitely recommend it um like Barbara mentioned, it was a little bit slow to get started um and then there were several parts that I feel like seemed to include a lot of anecdotal information that maybe wasn't necessary and kind of caused it to drag along in certain parts, but overall I enjoyed it and I would recommend it particularly to friends who enjoy historical fiction, but also just people in general. Um, I was able to look past, like I said before, some of the writing issues because I enjoyed the overall storyline and I also enjoyed the fact that it was based on true events. And so I think Mm -hmm. those two things combined helped me to kind of get over some of the nitpicky stuff that I was feeling. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, same here i was actually going to say something similar to that that uh so first yes i would recommend it in fact i've already read book to like three people after finishing reading it, so i i would definitely recommend it the only caveat would be if you're someone who just absolutely hates stuff that's based on truth and history um and there are some people that don't like reading that stuff they want to read they want to read to escape and it's hard to escape when you're reading about things that actually happened for some people so
2: you monsters
0: if that is you then i wouldn't <laughs> recommend it but otherwise i would it was a Fantastic book um there were some hiccups in, in the writing style that weren't great but you had to remember as you were reading that you know this is her first time reading or sorry first time writing not first time reading first time <laughs> writing a novel um and the fact like lauren said that the, the story itself was so compelling and the characters and the fact that it's based on a true story um all helped to overlook some of those uh, those inadequacies but yeah overall i, I would definitely recommend the book so that's uh, that's the first part of our podcast. It's kind of hard to talk about this one very much because the spoilers start to happen relatively quickly. I mean, if you can call them spoilers, it's, I know, it's, it's, the, tr- it's the true this. stories. If you Google it, then you'd find all of it as fact. But um, for those of you leaving us at this point, because you're going to go read the book, don't forget to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen if you like us. Um, and don't forget to follow us on Facebook as well as Instagram in both places. Our handle is at badasslitpod. We'd love to hear from you. If you've got a book you want us to read, let us know. Um, to be honest, when it comes to recommendations, I'd love to have a list like three pages long. Just that would be so cool to just have nonstop books. We've got a lot right now, but I'd love to have more.
1: And enter to win our prize for our one-year anniversary. Yes. Help us celebrate.
0: Help us celebrate. So don't forget to check that out. Like I said earlier, the rules will be on there as far as what you have to do enter. Um, we're really excited about this and can't wait to see all you guys' entries.
2: And it's crazy to think we've been doing this for a year.
0: Yes, it is. I
1: made a whole human in that amount of time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And now Lauren is going to give us a short preview of what we've got coming up.
1: All right. Next month, we are reading Hogfather by Terry Pratchett, which was recommended to us by a listener at None More Glitter. I think that's how you say it. Um, Preview of Hogfather. Susan had never hung up a stocking. She'd never put a tooth under her pillow in the serious expectation that a dentally inclined fairy would turn up. It wasn't that her parents didn't believe in such things. They didn't need to believe in them. They knew they existed. They just wish they didn't. There are those who believe and those who don't. Through the ages, superstition has had its uses. Nowhere more so than in the disc world where it's helped to maintain the status quo. Anything that undermines superstition has to be viewed with some caution. There may be consequences, particularly on the last night of the year when the time is turning. When those consequences turn out to be the end of the world, you need to be prepared. You might even want want more standing between you and oblivion than a mere slip of a girl, even if she has looked death in the face on numerous occasions. Dun, dun, dun. I'm
0: excited to read this one, so tune in, tune in next month yeah. for Hogfather. Um, And remember, the second part of our podcast is going to be an in-depth look at the book. So if you don't want spoilers and you want to go read this, uh, stop listening right now and come back and listen to us when you're done. That was a fair break. If you're not gone, it's your fault. Now, for those of you sticking around for the spoilers, here we go. Our first question for this one is just going to be kind of skimming the surface like normal. Uh, So what did you like about this book? What did you dislike about the book? And the only difference here is, was there a specific point in the story, like, where it really got its hooks in you? And I'm going to let Lauren go first on this one.
1: Um, I enjoyed that it was based on true events, and like I said, the overall subject matter, um... I like to read and learn more about World War II. Um, I liked the detailed descriptions, but they didn't happen often enough. Um, And when I'm talking about the detailed descriptions, I'll go back up to where I accidentally almost spoiled it earlier. Um, But just like when the author is describing the situation when they're on the boat, standing in excrement and vomit, or describing the smell of the burning bodies or like the heart-wrenching description of Felicia being separated from her mom and embraced by like the stranger that really got me in my postpartum hormonal self. I actually like cried a couple times reading this book. Um, So there were some really vivid images um, which I really appreciated. And I just felt like they didn't happen often enough. Like it wasn't consistent. I think Barbara, you were the one that said earlier that, Like the author was more telling you how you should feel rather than like having you experience it. And I felt like in these types of moments, I was really experiencing it. And then the rest of the time, it was kind of like you described where it's just like, oh, they were sad. They were said it with anger. They were so that was my one gripe. Um, I also disliked the pacing. Sometimes it seemed off. I don't know. It wasn't like it was super slow like some of the ones that we've read in the past. So I don't really know how to describe it other than just I felt like the pacing seemed off. Um, I mean, there were slow points throughout, but it wasn't like it dragged along like some of Michael's picks. <laughs> um, so tired. I just the fact that there were so many characters and we never really got to delve into them like at the level that I would have preferred. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like. We got a lot of surface level information and a lot of anecdotal stuff and not like I, I feel like it would have been more beneficial to the readers to have like three or four really main characters to focus on rather than kind of bouncing between that. What is there like six or seven or eight even? There's a few um,
2: because like, the family has three boys, two girls and then their spouses or significant others and then the mom and dad. So, quite a bit. Yeah,
0: there's a lot.
1: So, I felt like the author likely felt the need to include all of them because it was based on her family and she she did like 10 years worth of research on her family to write this novel. So, I totally understand why she did it the way she did it, but um I feel like for reader's sake it would have been better to have a little bit more of a deeper focus on a few characters. But for the most part, I really enjoyed reading it. Um and don't really have a whole lot of big complaints and as far as like a point that really hooked me um i don't know that there was any one point necessarily other than just when we would get those random like really descriptive pieces that kept me reading and kept me interested
0: i love this story as a whole uh it was very interesting to read through this part of world war ii from a family's perspective and even more so because this particular family happened to be you know scattered across the globe experiencing different things um so that was that was really neat to get uh, to get that really unique experience uh from these different people that were everywhere throughout world war ii's history um the only thing i didn't like about the book i mentioned earlier uh was that it's just the the tense of the author wrote it in and the way that she described it I, again, I know Barbara will probably talks more about this here, so I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but that was really my only dislike. Um, I love World War II history, so I was hooked from the get-go. I was excited reading the description for this book, um, so didn't really need to get its hooks in me. Uh, that's not to say it, it didn't, and that there weren't, like Lauren mentioned, she cried a couple times. Like I don't think I've ever cried during a book, but I did actually a couple times during this. Um, during happy moments, you know, when, at the, at the end when the family... The family reunites um, multiple times. There's a bunch of reunion scenes, and and those those got me. But uh, but yeah, it, it was a, it was a really good story. Were there slow points? Absolutely, but uh, I was excited to read this from the start.
2: Um, I think I've kind of covered what I liked and what I disliked. Um, I really liked that it was based off of actual true events. Like this actually happened to these people, and it's crazy to think about. Like while you're reading that, like the whole time I was just in shock Um, because yeah like we study this stuff but you don't study it in that point of view you just it's an overall you study this is what happened here's the facts you don't get to experience it like with like these characters you know you're seeing what they saw you're experiencing what they experienced so I thought that was really interesting I really enjoyed that Um, it was a little difficult like I mentioned to get started with the book Um, I was it was hard for me to want to keep reading in the beginning, um, just because I, I felt like it was a little slow, and then the point of view was just really messing me up, because it just wasn't working for me, um, until, until I <laughs> could teach my brain to get over that fact, it was kind of hard, um, I did not enjoy the historical aspect of it, um, I feel like, descriptive-wise, she's no um, Stephen King. Like, when he is overly descriptive, I feel like she could have used a bit of that. Because I I wanted to feel what they were experiencing, not being told, like, oh, you know, Jacob is scared as he reaches for the door. Like, tell me why he's scared. Show me how he's scared. Like, you know, is his heart, like, going a mile a minute? Because he's anxious like is there cold sweat dripping down his back that kind of stuff that's the kind of stuff i was looking for because it would have felt to me more of a that type of a book versus just her recounting what happened to these characters um and that's my only gripe that i honestly had with it that and the point of view um as far as what part of the story that got me hooked into it was probably when Helena and Franca were crossing the river. Like that, like that's when I first started to be like, okay, like this is crazy. Like they're risking frostbite and all these crazy thing to get across this river when they shouldn't have been doing that. Like it was illegal for them to have done that. And they did it, you know, they almost lost like the money that they were trying to carry through with them in the river but like helena like dives in and grabs it and then they you know get stopped by these russian soldiers and they had to deal with that and i was just like nice this is i'm super excited now to read like how this family is going to make it out of this so
1: was a good point that was like a a good exciting like i'm remembering that Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) so throughout this book there are several examples of strangers who put their lives at risk to help the Kirks. Uh, such as the Gorskis who take Saul and Neshuma into hiding, the Mother Superior who allows Felicia into her convent, and then Erden who vouches for Helena's Aryan identity. What would you have done if you had been in these characters' shoes? And also, what motivates people to put themselves on the line despite the deadly risks of getting caught to help people in need? And I'm going to let Barbara start on this one.
2: I just feel like that's kind of hard to answer because we always think we're somebody until we're put in that position. So, you know, while I sit here in my comfortable home not being threatened with my life, I would love to say that I would help them. And I would hope I would. I I feel like deep down a push comes to shove. I I feel like I would help these people. Um, And I think the reason why they did was just... um, The kindness that you feel towards other like knowing that that could have been you in that position and hoping that someone else would help you out just like these people were helping them and i would hope i you know better human nature that you would want to help these people out because that could have been that could be your brother or your sister your mom and dad who need that help or your child and you're so desperate to want to help those people because you could you should be able to put them put yourself in their shoes to help them. So, and I would like to think that I would do that. I mean, career path wise, you don't pick nursing for the money. I'll tell you that much. So,
0: so, I mean, like Barbara said, I'd love to say that I would have done the same thing, but I, I don't think that anybody knows until they're put into that situation. Uh, and you're asking, you know, yourself to put yourself and your family and loved ones on the lines for somebody else. And, um, So I'd like to say that I I would have been brave and courageous and done those things like these characters did, but it's hard to know. Um, I'm thankful that I've never had to live through a moment like this in history. Um, I'd like to think that if I did, uh, I would be able to, like Barbara said, put myself in their shoes and, you know, just show some some human compassion and try to help my fellow man. And you know what, if that turns out that we all get killed because of it, then at least, you know, I, I died doing the right thing. And so I'd like to think that I would do that. Uh, I strive to be a kind, helpful person, and I I hope this means that I would have opened my home and my heart to these people, regardless of you know what could have happened.
1: So my answer to this would have been different, um like six months ago. Um but like I've always had a passion for helping kids. Um it's reflected in my career path, um, and just for helping people in general, like I'm doing counseling now of all ages. Um but I absolutely would have taken Felicia and kept her safe. The child, like I can say that with certainty and that's the only thing I can say with certainty. And I, I couldn't have maybe said that with certainty before having my daughter Eliana. Um, I don't know why, but becoming a mother kind of flipped a switch for me and my like motherly instincts or whatever you want to call them. I wouldn't be able to ignore that for a child in need in that situation. Um, I would like to say that I would open my home to adults and families and whoever else needed to be hidden. And thankfully, like Michael said, I've not experienced anything like that, but that's hard to say. Um, I think the motivation to do that is rooted in kindness and empathy, both of which I feel like I possess. So I would like to say that I would take anyone that needed help in. Um, But the only one that I can say for almost certain, I think would be um, that situation where the i mean mila was like digging her grave and i mean and i know that that's not the this the necessarily like the um catholic thing but with allowing the stranger to take felicia like in that moment like that i would have done that hands down
2: That that was a hard one to read that part where she was digging a grave for them both
0: oh man yeah that was a really really intense chapter that was I think that was really tr- probably the only point in the book where I wondered like it, are they not going to make it like is
2: Oh no I figured they'd make it but I was very curious what the hell she was going to do to get out of that yeah. cuz I was like this is obviously like they're going to get shot and I'm I was like what the hell does she have to do like what is she going to muster up to save her
1: child yeah, I was thinking the same thing. It's like you know, based on the title of the book, that they make it out right because we're the lucky ones. Right. See, um, that's what I said.
2: I was like, it t- it took a little bit out of the uh, what is the word I'm looking for the um, tension, suspension, because it's all we're the lucky ones. So obviously, I assumed everyone made it.
1: Yeah, that was that was a difficult chapter for me. Was I mean, I I think James came up, and I was like crying and he was like what is wrong and i'm like she's digging her grave for her baby <laughs> it was awful yeah um, and just like thinking of being in that situation where you literally would be willing to give your child to a stranger if it meant that they could live mm-hmm. like it's just yeah crazy
0: moving on from there the ne- next question is most historical fiction is written in past tense uh, why do you think the author chose to write this story in the present And what impact, if any, did it have on your reading experience? So I guess I can go first on this one. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to say about this. I I think that she chose, I think she chose present tense to make, with the intention of making it more intense for the reader, um, making the experience more intense. I think that that, she kind of fell short with that because of the way that it was written. Um, And I, I think that it may have been better if it had been written in past tense instead of present tense. Um, but after reading a little while, I mean, I was able to get, you know, enjoy the story just fine. But that, that's really the only thing I have to say about that one.
2: Um, I feel like I already kind of answered this already. Cause that was my own, one of like my strong gripe with the book was the tense that she used. Uh, like I said, I, I believe she did this to increase the tension in the story because that is one of the reasons you do that. Um. So, like, we as readers are supposed to feel like we are right there in the action as all these stuff are taking place. But I just don't think she pulled it off well. I really don't think she did. Um, honestly, <laughs> like, I think it was maybe the first few chapters I would finish reading and just, like, scream. And I would, like, walk over to Michael and be like, oh, my gosh, have you, like, read this yet? Like, the tense is really throwing me off. It's, like, really bothering me. And he's like, Well, wow, okay, get over yourself. <laughs> so that happened. Um, I just, it honestly had a really negative impact on my reading experience for this, so much so that I rated it lower because of it. Um, if it wasn't written like this, I feel like I would have given it a much higher score, personally. Uh,
0: so. so I can say from you know living with Barbara that I, I know she would have given it a higher score, um, because she to see as she was reading it how frustrated she got when the tense would pull her out of a story because I, I know how much you enjoyed the story and how frustrating it was when you kept getting pulled out of it because you bothered so yeah lauren what about
1: you both of you that the author did this in an attempt to make readers feel like they're experiencing it firsthand kind of um and in some instances i feel like it was useful but overall i might have preferred it to be written differently but it didn't bother me to the extent that it did
2: Barbara. <laughs> I think I'm the only one. <laughs> <clears throat> I have very strong opinions of yeah. views, <laughs> and uh, tenses used.
0: <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Moving on from there, let's talk about Helena, one of the Kirk siblings. So she's the most rebellious of the five Kirk siblings and follows only one set of rules, her own. In what ways do you think Helena's personality affects the family's fate throughout the war? And I'm going to let Lauren start on this one.
1: Lauren doesn't want to start on this one, because Lauren didn't want a good answer.
0: <laughs> I'm going to let Barbara start I on can. this one.
2: Okay, so uh, just a little background. Helena's the youngest out of all of the Kirk family. Um, and I honestly believe she was one of the main reasons a few of the family members were alive post-war, or like post-when Germany gave up type thing. Because... Uh, like she got her mom and like she was the one who was pretty much care of her parents and then um when they heard from Ginnick that him and, um and his wife that they were in Italy and Salim that you know she's like okay like this is what we need to do to cross you know what was still very dangerous at that point for them and I'm pretty sure it was still illegal they shouldn't have been doing like crossing all these borders to get from point A to point B. Um, she made up the plan, she was the one who led them through all of that while pregnant, mind you. Um, so I just felt like she was really resourceful and had like this can-do attitude about herself and her bravery was really what drew me to her character. I enjoyed reading about how she like maneuvered her way through all of these situations with her and the best part is you could really see how she grew into herself cuz at the beginning, you know, she's obviously the youngest. She was all about, like, the fashionista. She cared about that kind of stuff. And you just kind of see her grow into this really strong character um, and taking care of not only herself, but other people as well. So
0: So I agree with a lot of what Barbara said about Helena. Um, The only word that comes to mind is that she would belong on this podcast because she's a badass. Um, Like, she – her perseverance and her drive – once things started to go, you know, awry, uh, was very impressive. And uh, like Barbara said, they, you know, maybe uh, certain people—I'm going to say her parents—wouldn't have survived if it wasn't for her. Because there were times where, you know, she's like, "Hey, we need to do this," and um, and you know, her her mom or her dad would be apprehensive about it, and and she would just come back and say, "Well, let me rephrase this. No, this is what we're doing. Like, you don't have a choice. This is like this is how we're doing it." and um like again like barbara said i think that ended up saving their lives at the end i'm not sure her mom and dad would have made it through this experience if it wasn't for what helena did so moving on from helena what did you guys think about the like little historical factual snippets that the author put between chapters and since lauren didn't have a lot to say on the last one i'm going to make her talk first on that
1: i think the snippets really added to my reading experience in a positive way um, I also did some more research of my own and I found this article that had um, like an interview with the author where she hmm. discusses the 10 years of research that went into writing the book. And it was really interesting. Um, maybe we can link it on our socials. I don't know, but I, um, it talks about how she traveled to all of the places to experience them for herself and how like Felicia is the last surviving member of the family who had firsthand memories of the events, which I found was super interesting. Um And so kind of in my researching of the historical snippets, I actually found that um, article that I thought was kind of worthy of mentioning. Um, But I've always loved, I've always found history and historical fiction interesting. And so I think tying the two together, especially just because this was such a based on a true story book, um, really added to it for me.
0: So I'm I'm in the same boat. I, I loved the the little snippets between chapters. Um, being a huge history buff and especially like I said a huge World War II fan, I I really enjoyed getting that snippet to see where we were at in the war. And I feel like that's kind of what I was checking in. Because obviously, I mean, you know, the big events that we learn in American World War II, not a lot of that was discussed in this book. That stuff was happening around everything going on in this story. But you know, it's not like you know. Addie was, you know, at the Battle of Normandy and rushing, rushing the beach, and some of those, you know, cinematic moments we think about happening. And uh, so it's cool to have the context. Like this is happening while this is also. Happening. So I really liked them. I thought that they they added a nice element to the book. Uh, and I think it would have been, it wouldn't have been the same without them. I really liked them.
1: <laughs> I was just gonna say not to take away from what Michael said, but you probably shouldn't refer to yourself as a World War II fan. So
0: I should have said World War II buff. History buff?
2: <laughs> he he loves go. mass murdering people. <laughs> I, I
1: love the Holocaust. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> anyway, I mean, literally,
0: You literally said that earlier. So No, I, I didn't.
1: I literally did not. I will read you what I literally said. <laughs> <laughs> I said I have loved consuming media about the Holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> Michael just likes the Holocaust.
2: All right, <laughs> Michael
1: that's, just that's loves it. the Holocaust. I like... Reading and learning about the holocaust there are, there's a distinct difference there
0: <laughs> anyway, Barbara
2: um uh, I thought it was a little off putting at first just because it took me out of the story um but I actually came later came to appreciate it very much um just because it was nice to know what was going on like during the war and then how it was affecting each character while I was reading the story. And without, honestly, those little historical snippets, like, like I said, like, yes, we studied this, but we only studied the the United States point of view of it. Like, you really don't get much of the European point of view, you know, and like the U.S. didn't join until much later. So you're like missing out on all this other stuff that was happening and you don't really get to know about, at least for our school, I'm sure everyone else the world gets to study it all in general. I'm not quite sure. I guess I shouldn't say that, but
1: so that all the time, we are notorious in the U S for teaching a very specific Mm -hmm. United States perspective of history. And it's kind of messed up. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. The show, the show.
2: So I came to appreciate it and actually really enjoyed the little snippets to the point where like I would read it and then, read a little bit about it, and be like, go back and be like, okay, what is this? That's right, that's right, and go back. So. <laughs> do a little
0: do a little research on your own? Yep, yep. So now, for an easier question, who was your favorite character? Barbara?
2: So I find this kind of an interesting question for this, just because these are real people. So I'd be like, hmm, which one of you guys impressed me the most? Like I, I felt kind of awkward judging this, because they're, they're real people, they're not these fake individuals, you know? So it's like a, a little uncomfortable to be like, oh, like who was the best character? Um, but obviously I have to pick. So I, Helena, hands down for me, was my favorite character. um just, She's just a total badass. Um, I also enjoyed Addy just because of his connection to Brazil since I am Brazilian. So that was kind of cool to, to hear about his experience with, that whole situation. And also, um, isn't her name uh, Melina? I believe, uh, just because of how she went from like this m- new mom who had reservations of being a-, a-, a mom and saying, like, oh, this is really hard, to honestly raising her child, Felicity, all by herself in this trying time and keeping her daughter safe. Um, so that was. Really cool, just kind of to see her do that, and how her character growth was with that, and how she also turned into this total badass, and her number one was just protecting
1: her daughter, so yeah, that was actually Mila um, but she is my favorite because of my connection to her as a mother and because of her badassery and doing whatever it takes to protect felicity um milo was my favorite and i hadn't ever thought of it the way that you put it barbara um but these are all people so now i'm like yes you are the best human like <laughs> like that's super awkward now i'm feeling bad for judging the rest but you know
2: Mila is who i yeah be. sorry yeah Mila. i said melina Mila, my bad
0: so my favorite was Adi. Uh i really liked his story um I felt like in some ways he was kind of the main character of the book because he got more of his perspective than others, which kind of makes sense when you realize it's the author's grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really enjoyed Addie's story, and uh, and yeah, I mean, it, was, it was just I, he was my favorite character. I liked all of them, but if, since this question is to pick one, I, I picked <laughs> I picked that one. So our next question goes back into the deeper realms. Uh, when Poland falls in September 1939, Germany takes over the West and Russia the East. Uh, Ginek, who finds himself on the eastern side, refuses to accept Soviet citizenship, thereby labeling himself a resister. Why do you think Ginek felt so strongly about holding on to the nationality of his home country despite the fact that it technically no longer existed? Would you have done the same? And what does your national identity mean to you? And I'll start on this one. So it's a tough question. Uh, I, I, On one hand, I completely understand why um, Ginek did what he did and why. But when he looked back, I mean, the hindsight of that, knowing that that little act of rebellion, of not giving up his Polish identity, likely led his family down the path that they were about to go down, Um, which, for those of you who haven't read the book and are still listening, I mean, they, they got taken at night, shipped off in a... And I mean, it was shipped off. It was awful. Like they 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 were accused of being resistors and and traitors, effectively at that point, all because of this uh, this form that he chose not to accept Soviet citizenship. And so, I mean, thinking about that in hindsight would be hard to swallow and hard to realize. Like you know, hey, my pride made this happen. And um, so, I don't know what I would have done in this situation. Uh, I think I'd like to think that I would have accepted the Soviet citizenship because logically that seems like the path of least resistance in this terrifying new world that they found themselves in. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what I would have done. Um, and as far as the last question, I mean, my national identity is important, but unlike a lot of people, I don't think it's anywhere near the most important thing about a person. Like, your, your national identity shouldn't define you. Um, while it is an important part of your upbringing and all that, I don't think it's the most important thing. What about
2: you, Barbara? Um... i think what he did is just because it is who he is uh to say otherwise i feel like it would be him denying a part of who he was and i honestly 100% would have done the same um if you were to ask me right today for me to pick between being brazilian and being american i would choose brazilian um and I know how that feels. I know how he felt. At least I can empathize with him. Because, uh, you know, I, I was born in Brazil, but I, I do live in the States, obviously. And I've lived here longer than I have now um, than in Brazil. But I still identify as a Brazilian first. I mean, that's I grew up with that. That is a part of what makes me me. So I think just to deny that you know would feel like him lying to himself about it so i completely understand where he's coming from i mean obviously hindsight 2020 like he wished he wouldn't have done that um and you know given that option someone was pointing a gun in my head like it might be different but i feel like if i were to deny that i would be denying who i am like i'm not embarrassed and i'm not ashamed of where I came from. And I feel like that's how he was feeling at the time. Cause these people just came over and took all that from him. And he was like, you can't take that from me. So I can understand where he's coming from.
1: Um, So that's my feeling towards that. I mean, do you guys feel like he had any kind of concept of what would happen if he made that choice though, is my thing. Like I'm with Michael on the fact that like, My national identity isn't, it's important, but it's not everything. And in that particular situation, I feel like I would probably just do whatever I had to do to keep myself and my family safe. Um, But I guess like, like Michael, you said, like his pride cost his family to kind of go down the rabbit hole, so to speak. Like, do you guys think that he had, like how, I I just feel like he had to have known that something bad was going to come of it. I don't think he actually knew because he was like cuz
2: he he even mentioned like he he just glanced at that that question without even thinking about it and just like said oh, no obviously I'm not and then when he was getting questioned about it he's like okay obviously they were trying to weed out the the non-believers or the resistors or the the people who are going to give us issues here um so I don't think that was his thinking whatsoever I honestly don't think they realized the hate that these people had for them either I, I think that took a while for them to be like you know what this this is truly a war about how much hatred they have for us and I don't think that was in his upfront on, on his point of view and being like oh, okay like this question this is just kind of a stupid question he just kind of wrote it off until it came back to bite him in the ass
0: yeah I, I think I think that's right I mean that, that was kind of what was mentioned in the book he didn't really think about the consequences of that until the consequences were, were in his face. Um and then he immediately realized like, oh man, that's you know, I should have done this differently. But in the moment I think he thought it was a pretty benign question and he didn't identify as Soviet, so why would he have marked that? Um obviously it didn't have a great outcome, but that's I don't think he was I don't think he thought about that. It was like, Oh, if I don't mark this, something terrible will happen.
2: But I mean what's to say if he had and he'd stayed there, he wouldn't have died either. Like it's one of those what if questions that you'll wonder for the rest of your life you know which happens to everyone like if i would have done this differently how would this have turned out
1: yeah Um. i had forgotten that he had said that um he just glossed over it i was just thinking like logically in that time like i just feel like you'd have to the thought would have run through your mind but maybe not
0: the next question was: Your appreciation for this story enhanced by the author's note? And I'm going to let Barbara go first on this
2: one. Oh yes, I absolutely love that she did that. I'm so happy that she did. Um, I wanted more after the fact. Like, I at, it took me a while to get into the book, but like once I did, like, and it ended, I was like, no, <laughs> like I want to know more about them. Like, where did they end up? Like did you know did they all hang out in the did they move to different countries did they ever like see each other were they all in the same place again uh because obviously they were such a close-knit family like i i believe um addy was the only one who didn't live in um, radon when all of this started so it's just very i was i just wanted more and i wanted to know more about them because I, f- I feel like i was so invested so i'm so happy that she added that because i was just like Salivating on the mouth for more information about what happened. To them,
0: so. so I'm with Barbara on that. I I really liked the author's note. Um, it was a nice context to like how all this kind of wrapped into her family and her experiences. Um, and I mean, it also led at least it led Barbara and I to be doing more research. Like the other night, we were sitting here doing like genealogical research <laughs> on the Kirk family to try to find like stuff yeah. of these people. And <laughs> uh, and so I I think it it was good. It Good thing to add, I, the book wouldn't have ended the way that it did without having that as like a, oh, what's the, it's not not the prologue, an epilogue,
1: mm-hmm.
0: almost an epilogue to the story.
1: I loved it. I think like it, like Barbara said, makes me want to know more. Um, I loved visiting her memories in that way, like mm-hmm. talking, having her talk about like her grandfather and like being at his house and describing it and like, I don't know, that whole thing made me like nostalgic for an experience that I never really had. Um, uh, as far as like being told stories about family history by a grandfather, but um, it was cool going there and in, into her little world for a little bit.
2: So to think that we don't ask or haven't asked our grandparents like what they've experienced until I feel like it's a little too late Like, this book kind of made me realize how I wish I would have asked my grandparents, like, tell me about you and, like, your experiences as a kid and growing up and how the world was different to what my world is. And it kind of, like, made me sad that I didn't do that because now I I want to know about my family because, I mean, I'm curious to know, like, were my grandparents at all involved or great-grandparents involved in stuff like this that happened that
1: I'm not even aware of, and now I won't be aware of. So, since if you don't already know, Michael and I are siblings. Um, and, and, and after our year,
2: you don't know that <laughs> so what are you doing?
1: I mean, I'm just saying, maybe we don't really, we only said it in like the first episode, I think. So if they are listening true. currently, then they don't know who we are. Um, <laughs> anyway, Michael's my brother, and so we grew up in the same childhood type situation. I feel like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, but I feel like we got a pretty good history of of my like my mom's mom who passed away a few years ago. Um she would talk about like how things were when she was a little girl and like her parents and the history there. And we would get I I feel like I got stories from her um growing up, but then a little bit less on my dad's side. Um as far as just they're a little bit more conservative, my grandma on that side. Um I just feel like I don't know as much. So it would be cool to, and I don't know how you go about doing this, but like ancestry.com it or like, I don't know, go about figuring it out. Because like Barbara said, I feel like, you know, my grandma on Grammy on my mom's side has passed away already. And um Graham on my my dad's side is um is older and her memory isn't like it used to be. And so I'm wishing now that we would have taken some of the opportunities to kind of have more of those stories be passed along.
0: Yep. No, I'm, I agree with that. I, Barbara brought up a very good point. It does make you think that, or make you wish that you'd had some of these conversations, maybe that it's now too late to have. So um, moving on from that, the the next question we're talking about is about Addie um, and and Eliska, the uh, the woman that he meets when he's on the way to Brazil. Did you find it strange that he would fall in love despite the circumstances going on in the world? And in what ways do you think Eliska and Addie's feelings for one another would have been similar or different had they met under more normal circumstances? And I will let Lauren take this one first.
1: Eliska is actually pronounced Eliska with an S-H. Not that it matters. Um, <laughs> If it doesn't matter
0: just- you wouldn't correct me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry. Um I feel like that it was like they were grasping at straws for connection during a scary and unknown uncertain time. Um and so I think that I think that they did I mean they needed that like in in the time that they were in. And I think under more normal circumstances, I don't think they would have chosen each other, um, which becomes clear later on when they when it doesn't end up working out.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I found I kind of found it a little weird, but I understand that some people need that sort of connection during times like this. Like, I mean, it's like, I feel like it's a complete opposite of what I would do. I would be like, no one talk to me. Like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I already have my family and. So I thought it was kind of like, whoa, okay. But I, I understand why. Um, I also don't believe they would have fallen in love if they had met under normal, quote-unquote, circumstances. Um, I just, like Lauren said, I really do think they were just both craving that type of affection and, and that sense of a stability in such an, an an unknown scenario where that made sense at the time. And obviously, once... They were more on stable grounds and they just kind of naturally just shifted apart because they had nothing in common, I don't think.
0: So my, my answer similar to, to you guys is I, I think that, I mean, I didn't find it strange that that would happen. I think that, you know, they needed each other in that time and they, for different reasons. Um, but at the end of the day, the the thing that held them together is that they were both in this this awful situation. And I think they both needed a distraction from reality. And, um, you know, that that provided that for them. And I don't think that they would have fallen in love under different circumstances. And I think that, like Lauren mentioned, I think that they kind of realized that, like, the way they weren't really meant for each other. And that's why they ended up breaking off their engagement. Um, But, yeah, she was a distraction from reality. But at the same time, later on, he realized that he didn't like that. Uh, He needed to talk about and deal with what was happening to his family. Uh, And Alishka... (laughs) <laughs> didn't, uh, didn't ever want to hear about it because she didn't like how sad he looked when uh, when he talked about that. So, yeah, I think that it, it makes sense why they got together, but I'm glad that they didn't end up together because I don't think that was long run meant to
2: be. Obviously.
0: Right, clearly, since he married the the American. Oh, yeah, no, I I'm going to add that in the notes just to just to be petty.
2: So we have <laughs> character reference, and Michael put in Alishka. To make sure
1: we pronounce that correctly. Little well, SH, just to make sure. <laughs> I'm so glad that you did that. It's also, also Genic, not Genic. Yeah, Gannick. I said Genic as well. And Herta and Jakob. Yeah, so Jacob.
0: in the spirit of Michael not mispronouncing <laughs> his name, this next question I wrote and I want to. Ask Barbara. No, I would love to hear you. No, no, no please. No.
2: I'm not going to say it. I guess we're just going to sit here. I'll try it. I'll try it. So let's, let's talk about talk-
0: Brazil's oh, ambassador. She,
2: she's going to try and your ass just interrupts her.
0: i let her read the word, the name. I thought I was reading the question still. Go ahead, Lauren, read the whole thing. So
1: rude. <laughs> let's talk about Brazil's ambassador to France, Louise Martin de Sao- Souza Dantas.
2: <laughs> yeah. Close enough. Did yeah. I do it? Was yeah. I close? Yeah. yeah. Now
0: Barbara's going to say it so we get the real one. <laughs> no
2: no it's fine
0: please continue barbara
2: why say his name i want to hear you say it because awkward say, say my name say my name well and then all the brazilian people are like she said it wrong <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway so i won't make barbara I, I mean i want to talk about throughout the book there weren't a lot of historical figures that were mentioned that i didn't know about already this, um, you know, Louise Martin and D'Souza Dantas. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, but um, he was one of them. And um, what he did for Addy in the book was amazing because Addy is in uh, in France, uh, Toulouse, and he is trying to figure out a way to get out of Europe because he knows what's happening and he he senses it and he hears from some other people that this guy is giving. Uh, visas to to Jews and uh, not marking them Jewish and letting them escape the country and go to Brazil. Um, and that's eventually where Addie ends up is, is the whole book actually ends with the whole family in Brazil, but Addy gets there first. And that's because of this man. And so then I was like, huh, I mean, I'm going to look him up and see what else he did. And I found out, like, holy crap, this guy saved so many people during World War II. Um, he was posthumously awarded the Righteous Among Nations Israeli Supreme Court in 2003. And for those of you that don't know, what that is, is people who are recognized for the things that they did to to save Jewish lives, especially during this time period. And um, it's estimated that he saved roughly 800 people. 800 people. 425 of them are confirmed to be Jewish. But he also saved homosexual communists at the time who were just trying to escape what was going on with the Nazis. And you know, we were talking earlier about you know characters that were doing things that could potentially hurt them. And you know, what this guy did could have actually did end his career. Um he was there as a, a volunteer diplomat, effectively. Um, but the president of Brazil, who was a, a dictator, was
2: He wasn't a dictator at this point.
0: At this point, record. he wasn't yet. No. Okay. So at the president of Brazil was pissed that he was sending all the back to Brazil. Mainly because at the beginning of the war, Brazil was on the wrong side of the uh, of the table.
2: No, we were neutral.
0: I thought you—he he uh,
2: was rubbing elbows, but he was neutral. He and, was neutral the time. Okay, he and just, then
0: he decided to go on the Ally side at the end.
2: Hitler offered him to become um, a part of the it exists. and he was like, "Nah, son." <laughs> anyway, so he,
0: he 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 got in a lot of trouble um, when he actually he got summoned back to Brazil, was forced to leave his role. That. He went back to Paris after that and lived the rest of his life there. But, um, but yeah, that's why I thought it was really cool. That's why I went. I don't know, if Barbara, if you have anything else you
2: wanted to add. Louise Marchin. Yes. Um, I mean, no, I knew about um, Getúlio Vargas from my family. Like, I was always curious about Brazil's world and Brazil's role in World War II, just because obviously living here in the US, I didn't get to study Brazil's part in it. And I was always really curious about it. So I asked, you know, my family members who actually did study it. um, And this guy's name didn't come up. So like, when I read about him in the book, I was like, really surprised and very curious about it. So I ended ended up like googling more about him and stuff like that. And that just kind of made me feel a little bit better just to know that there were people who were willing to help um, and helped so many people because of that and actually helped a character in this book. So I thought that was really interesting and a little piece of Brazil history that I wasn't aware of. So,
0: Yeah, I mean, it was very, very cool. One of two Brazilians to get that award, the um, the Righteous Among the Nations. The other was a woman who was like a she was at the worked at the consulate in Germany and was uh, sending people to Brazil who were Jewish um and not marking them as Jews which Hitler required at the time and uh so yeah that's pretty pretty neat pretty pretty big honor for this for him to be recognized and obviously you know he he didn't do it for the recognition he did it cuz it's the right thing to do and that was pretty cool. Lauren did you have anything to add about him?
1: Um no just that I learned something that I didn't know before kind of like you said um because, like Barbara mentioned earlier, in American textbooks, we don't learn about the badassery that happens in Brazil, so um, I thought it was super interesting, and I also uh, kind of googled him and um to learn a little bit more. It sounds like Michael learned more than I did um but I've studied the Holocaust quite a bit, and it was really nice until- to <laughs> <laughs> it was n- <laughs> it was nice to learn about another um another hero situation i thought
2: that that was which wikipedia shouldn't be a source that you should be using but that's fine
1: <laughs> is michael using wikipedia
2: yeah he did i did
0: i found a lot your
2: yeah. teachers are rolling in their graves right
0: now question was the ending satisfying did the book change you and did you learn something and i'm gonna let lauren take this one first
1: Um, So the ending was satisfying in the sense that obviously it had a happy ending where everyone was reunited. Um, I still think it's important to note that how terribly uncommon this type of ending was. Um, Obviously, it was really special that that family um, got through what they got through and that they made it out okay with all of their family members. Um, But that was not typical of those those days. Uh, I definitely wanted to learn more about the family and where they ended up, especially after the author's note. Um, I wouldn't say that it changed me necessarily, but it did make me hold my little baby a little tighter after reading it. And I felt a lot of feels and, um, I also just felt a lot of gratitude for the blessings and the fact that like our lives today are relatively totally easy compared to, um, what they had to go through and just the fact that like, I don't know, like I, I can't fathom having to. Decide between giving my baby to a stranger and surviving, and just I don't know. So it was satisfying.
0: With Lauren, the full ending stop. was satisfying. <laughs> full, full stop. I agree, the ending was satisfying. Um, it it was nice that it had a happy ending, like Lauren. Was very uncommon, but it made this story unique, and I thought that was cool to to get that perspective. Uh The, I mean, it, it was a good ending. I, I wish that. You kinda of want more. Uh, and I and I know Barbara's gonna talk about that a little bit, that it would have been nice to hear about what happened to them later on. Like, I mean it, it kind of just abruptly ended. Uh you get a little bit of a little bit more info in the author's note, but it would have been cool to to learn a little bit more about what happened to the family after they got to Brazil and, and all officially reunited. Um and even to hear more about Jacob and Bella too. Um them you know, we know that they got to America and that you know they're obviously they were talking about going to the neighbors to, but you know, you, you didn't hear a whole thing happen. You got a job as a photographer. That was really, and the they touched on it. They had, they had a, I had a kid, but um, anyway, I, I did. I really liked the ending. I would say the book changed me in the sense that, you know, my, my foundation hasn't been shaken and become a new person after reading it. But my, my beliefs and, and my thoughts about World War Two and all this changed. And I, I think that it, it changed me in the sense like Lauren said that you know you like anything when you you read from this period in history, like you when you come away from it you you know, you hold your loved ones a little bit tighter and you're a little more grateful that you live in a time where it's not like this. Um and you don't have to wonder if you'll be alive tomorrow or if the police are going to come and take you because of who you are. Um so so, yeah, I mean, and I did learn a lot. I, I looked up a lot of things. Obviously, we just talked about one of them, but um, it was really good. I love historical fiction for that reason. I feel like I always come away from the book knowing more
1: than I. Do, so, Michael, were you talking about this book or about Twilight? Because you were talking about Jacob and Bella, and this <laughs> one, this one is Jacob and Bella, <laughs> and Bella's not even her real name.
0: <laughs> well, that was a good joke. Good joke. <laughs> Barbara, what did you think about the show?
2: Um I mean was the ending satisfying? Uh yes, in the sense that, you know, I'm happy that they were all together for the most part except for Jakob and Bella. <laughs> and like Michael mentioned, we didn't really get to know or hear more about them after the in the U.S., like I would have liked to, have kind of a little bit more about that. But, um, I I would have been okay with a longer book just to kind of give a little bit more about like what happened to them after the fact. You know, just kind of like they, you know, were they officially down, and if they ended up ever going back to Radom or if they ever stepped foot. And I think she only mentioned. Addie, that he never went back there. Um but I guess maybe I'm just a curious person I just really wanted to know a little bit more about them after the fact. Um and yeah, I mean the book changed me and I mean no, not like you guys mentioned like I, you know, didn't have this whole epiphany about anything in general and stuff like that. If anything, it just kind of made me more curious to know kind of more about this and maybe me read more stories like this about these families that survived these and maybe didn't survive these, obviously, um, like Lauren mentioned. And I, I believe the did mention that out of all the Jewish people that lived, I, I don't remember the exact number, um, but only 300 of them survived. So if that just gives you an idea, like what this family survived is just astronomical. like. It's a one shot, honestly. I I don't I can't say for certain if there's any that all members of them survive like this. Like it's just
0: the odds were not in their favor.
2: Right. It's it's just mind-boggling to think about that little did survive and you can see their relationships, like Bella's family, (laughs) none of them did. I I believe she was the only one from her immediate family, obviously, that didn't. Um and, and same with Adam, which is Lena's I don't believe, but, like, one of his brothers survived, Um, and that's just really sad to think about Um, and how fortunate this family was, and I'm sure they would also, you know, say how very fortunate they were like that. Um, And did I learn something? Obviously, yeah, I I learned because I wanted to know more in my curiosity and definitely kind of want to read more books like this based off actual people's history and not just a historical fiction where it's like, oh, well, we did research on what could have happened to these people, but actually what happened to them and get a firsthand experience, kind of like how she did with this.
0: So I, I know Barbara was talking about the Jews in, in Radom specifically, and I don't have, I was able to find the numbers for Poland as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, so before this happened, there were 3.3 Jewish people living in Poland. 91% of them were killed. Um, and the survivors were only three hundred thousand. It's just that's yeah. the fact that this whole family was from Poland, it's what's a one in a million chance that oh. they all made it, but it made this story even more special, so
1: yeah, so like having actually been there and toured the concentration camps and just the um you just like walk the the different like sleeping barracks and that you can feel. Like the, it's just a chilling. I don't even know. And you obviously like you're giving tours by these people who are experts in it, and they're telling these atrocious stories about what happened there. And, um, I mean, the work camps were similar that this these characters experienced, and it's just unfathomable to think that anybody made it out alive from that.
0: We made it to the end of our second part discussion. So let's talk about our individual um, so I gave the book an 8.5 out of 10 I, I really enjoyed it um, you know, I, as you, I've said numerous times for the different reasons I really liked the book and so I, I, that's why I rated it so highly and gave it an 8.5 out of 10 what about you Barbara?
2: Um, mine was a 7.5 and the only reason why it was the, as low as it was was just because of the tense and point of view that she used um, if she hadn't Done that honestly, I probably would have given it an 8.5 if not a nine, but it was just really off putting for me. So,
1: and Lauren, um, I gave it a 7.75, um, and that's just based on how I've rated other things I needed to like make it perfect. Um, (laughs) but I picked that because it only got demoted a little bit, um, because I really wanted more in depth characters. Um, and I realize, like now that I, that sounds awkward because they're actual people, <laughs> they're real people. <laughs> and I'm sure that the real people were very in depth, but the author, um, I feel like chose to give us more, um, I don't know how to describe it other than like more width rather than depth, like spread it, spread out, um, all of the facts in different, things about these people um and gave us lots of information just in in a more shallow way I guess. I don't know if that makes sense. But um it w- that was really kind of why I rated it the way that I did, because I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the story. I really enjoyed the learning about the topic. I think that it's cool that it was true. Um I just wish that she would have delved deeper into even just a few of the characters.
0: And so, because of all of those scores, our group score for this one ended up being a 7.9 out of 10. I want to give a special shout out again to at Scram13 for recommending such a great book. Thank you so much for listening. We are Badass Literature Society. Hopefully, you liked it. If you did, let us know on Apple Podcasts, wherever you guys listen to your podcasts. Give us a rating, give us a review. Uh, that really helps us get noticed. If you're not already, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Handle us at Badass Lit Pod, And don't forget to be on the lookout for. Coming drawing that we're doing uh, that'll be up soon after this podcast release. See you guys next month. I'm Michael.
1: I'm Barbara. And I'm Lauren.
0: And we are Badass Literature Society one year later.
1: We made it. We made it. See, see
0: you guys next month.
1: Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.